wasn't Roe versus Wade originally decided by a bunch of old white men? Yes, because there were no women. Should they on the not have an opinion on abortion? Well, we're trying to help these women not scare them or not berate them and guilt them. We want them to see that they're loved. I would like to see Christians be Christians toward pro-choice people. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Means, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Lederow. In this episode, we're taking a little different tack. In the previous episodes, we've had a kind of an outline that we've tried to cover with each of the topics that we've gone, and I've I've had some talking points that I've wanted to cover at each time. This one's going to be a little different. It's going to be more of a conversation, maybe a little more off the cuff. Why is that? Well, today we're discussing the recent Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. Obviously a controversial and important topic, you know. Um, watershed. Watershed. That's a good word. Yeah. That's a good word for that. And we record these a few weeks before they're actually published. And as we record this, it's been four days uh, three days, really, since the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. And one of the things that's been on my heart since then is how do we respond to the people who are now angry, upset, and maybe even feel abandoned, who feel like the Supreme Court has turned their backs on them, uh, all sorts of uh, reactions to this. Of course, there's a lot of um, reaction and response on the other side of that issue with, um, you know, lots of celebration, uh, particularly among evangelicals who have been uh, fighting for this particular outcome for decades. And the question becomes, how do we, in view of our, quote, victory, interact with people who don't see it that way? And how can we be the light of Jesus to people who are angry are hurting because of this. And so Josh, you and I are going to talk and we'll come up with some ideas. We'll see how the conversation goes. And um, we might touch on this more in the future, uh, but I, I do want to get the conversation going. Um, I don't want to wait too long. I want people to understand that we care and that we want to talk about these things because it's this is an important kingdom issue as we try to relate to people who don't understand why why we're excited about this or why or at least why we feel this is a good thing. So, so Josh, uh, I guess first question for you would be, what was your first reaction when you heard that the Supreme Court had done this? It, it was weird. Um, my mom actually called me and told me about it. I was working and I was trying not to pay attention to the news because <laughs> if I do that, then I don't get any work done during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing such a good job that I didn't even know it had happened. And my mom called me and said, uh, Happy Pro-Life Day. No kidding. That was her first thing that she said on the phone. And uh, that's meaningful to me because my mom, as a young Christian um, in her early 20s, for quite a few years, actually worked at a crisis pregnancy center. So she was heavily involved in counseling women. Mm -hmm. Um, This was in Minnesota. And, uh, of course, the access to abortion is a lot uh, greater and easier in Minnesota than it is here. But she worked with uh, a, a bunch of ladies to, to counsel young women in crisis pregnancies. And uh, she herself, you know, is very pro-life. Um, she has kids with special needs. And so, you know, the idea of 
terminating pregnancies because the kid might have some problems or something like that. You know, it's just completely antithetical to everything that she believes and has dedicated her life to. So it was really interesting to sort of think about what that might feel like from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a how on a home that was uh, very you know pro life, and so I kind of absorbed that perspective by osmosis. I don't necessarily, you know, see the entire issue in every single point the exact same way that my parents do, but I have a lot of respect for them and um, how the choices they made and and how they lived out their beliefs, mm-hmm. specifically as it relates to. Um, being pro-life and and the pro-life movement and all of that. So I was extremely happy for her just on a personal level. And then in terms of um, my feelings about hearing that, I, I don't know. I felt that um, this could be the start of something very good in our country, or it could be the start of a, you know, much greater amount of conflict. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my, my thoughts were mostly for what happens next and how is this going to go on a cultural level right. uh, and how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, I'm still not sure I have the answers to all of those things. I do think it's important, you know, if you're care at all about the issue, no matter what side you're on to read the actual decision itself right and and the opinions and even the dissenting opinions Mm -hmm. so that you yourself are informed and and understand exactly what it does because particularly the people who are upset about it are saying a lot of a lot of things very very extreme things very sort of inflammatory things about you know the decision or about judges or about the judicial process Mm -hmm. or Christians in general. And there Mm -hmm. is a certain amount of, you know, at least threatened violence against Mm -hmm. people who support this and, and the judges. And Mm. um, a lot of that, unfortunately, I think is just based on uh, talking points and (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, um, and, and, and those kind of, um, just very, very strongly held, but not very well informed beliefs and opinions and emotions, uh, can lead to a lot of conflict, whether mm-hmm. it's just social or even, you know, physical violence. Yeah. And, uh, that doesn't matter what issue it is or what side of the issue it's on, because I mean, you and I are both old enough to ha- remember, some pro-life violence and people oh, absolutely. Um, attacking abortion doctors and abortion clinics mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, right. and that, you know, fortunately was, you know, very roundly condemned by almost everybody right. who right. was pro-life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does show how certain kinds of rhetoric and certain ways of talking about the other side or those people or whatever it is can lead an imbalanced person to do something crazy and violent and so yeah absolutely you know i've seen that on all sides of almost every issue and i think the way that we talk about things and the way that we talk about people that we disagree with is really consequential so that's that's where my head's been cool 
Well, and uh, you bring up an important point that this is an incredibly emotional issue for pretty much everybody. Yeah. And I have found, and just through my own Facebook feed, uh, and I have a lot of friends who are pro-choice people, and boy, I tell you, there's a lot of anger there um, and a lot of fear and a lot of, um, in my opinion, uh, being painted, Christians and pro-life people are being painted with some pretty wide brushes uh, to fan those flames, I think, a little bit. Um, but... In the midst of that, we need to be Christ-like, and I and I want us to talk about a little bit about that. But uh, when I saw the news about this, um, I just happened to be I flipped on Yahoo News on my computer, and boom, there it was, and it just minutes before, and I was a little shocked, going, "Oh, that's right, that was supposed to happen this month. They were supposed to the decision was supposed to come out this month." And, uh, boy, uh, it was everything that they anticipated as far as, you know, t- re- overturning the, the Roe v. Wade, which, uh, just as a bit of history here, the 1973 decision, Roe versus Wade, in a sense, said that abortion is a protected action, protected by the U.S. Constitution. This decision says that was really never the case. And so it is saying that abortion should not, or is not constitutionally protected. That's the bottom line of the decision itself. And now it's up to the states to decide whether or not they want to regulate abortion. Some of the response I've seen is that the Supreme Court made abortion illegal. Well, that's not technically true. But in some ways, it is practically true. Like here in South Dakota, abortion is now illegal except to save the life of the mother as of this moment or as of Friday uh, here in South Dakota. So in that way, when the Supreme Court reached their decision, uh, abortion became illegal. And so they're going to say that the Supreme Court outlawed abortion. Well, again, not technically the case, but it is the case in South Dakota. And I think it's like 18 other states, I think it is, and have trigger laws that are now in place. It's something like that. Yeah, uh, it, I think it's over nearly or half. Or yeah, you know, some, you might be right. Some, yeah. some so, percentage anyway. Right. Being in South Dakota, it actually doesn't change very much because there was either one one yeah. um, pre- plan, parenthood clinic, um, and I think they were getting ready to shut down anyway or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yep. So for for all practical purposes, of our abortion wasn't really readily available in South Dakota even before the decision. Right. Um, right. There are other states, Minnesota, New York, um, where it's going to be probably more available oh, yeah. than it would Absolutely. have been because, you know, in those states, the legislators are going to, you know, liberalize the laws even more. Right. And it's funny to me, I don't know if it's funny, but it's funny to me that the the major protests are happening primarily in the places where abortion is, if anything, going to get even more protected in those particular states. Right. Um, and it's not really happening in those states in which the majority of the people voted to place mm-hmm. some sort of restrictions on abortion. Right. I mean, it, it does reflect the will of the people in a sense. I mean, mm-hmm. there are, I mean, you look at, you look at uh, polls that ask whether you're pro-life or pro-choice. A lot of people will say both. A lot mm-hmm. of people will say I'm pro-choice, but then when you ask them specifically, they are pro-choice only to a certain point in the um, right in the pregnancy mm-hmm. which isn't actually all that different than what a lot of p- 
people who identify as pro-life would mm-hmm. say. So right. the pro-life and pro-choice, depending on who you're talking to, may not actually be as far apart as, you know, the, the media makes it seem. Right. Let's say. And my understanding is that the understanding under Roe versus Wade is that that abortions performed during the first trimester were protected by the Constitution. It wasn't late-term abortion protected by the Constitution or anything like that. Um, my understanding just from reading different news sources over the weekend was that first trimester abortions were were what was protected by the Constitution. Yeah, and then there was this kind of gray zone that was left mm-hmm. up to the states. Um, yeah. But yep. it is true that for the most part, most countries, even European countries, have, generally speaking, more restrictions on abortion than the United States That's does. right. Yes, yes. And so we're actually, after this ruling, probably going to look a little bit more like Europe. Mm-hmm. And you'll have some states that restrict it a lot, and you'll have some states that barely restrict it, if at all. Right. Um, yep. And then it's sort of in the hands of the the people in that state to to figure out where to go from there. Right. And personally, I think that's okay. I mean, yeah. I I I don't think that everything I think is wrong should be illegal. You know what I mean? Right. There have to be some sort of lines that we can all agree on, you know, or that at least, you know, a good majority of people can agree on and then have, mm-hmm. you know, some things that are some of us might really disagree with, but aren't mm-hmm. outlawed for whatever reason. Right. So. Well, even when it comes to abortions, you mentioned uh, that some people are pro-life up to a point or, mm-hmm. or, you know, they become pro-life after it is, or when you talk about yeah. length of gestation, you know, I think you'd find the vast, uh, a very tiny minority of people who are actually in favor of third trimester abortion and it, at all. Uh, there are some and they want it available all the time. Um, the high post-birth abortion, there post-birth are abortion, right. few very extreme people that are actually right. You know, take that all to its extreme conclusion. Of, right. Unwanted is unwanted. It doesn't matter whether they're born or not. Right. Which and, is scary, but. Right. Or, you know, the whole partial birth abortion thing, you know, mm-hmm. where the baby is extracted except for the head, then killed and then brought out. And, you know, and 10 seconds later, if the body hadn't been killed, that would have been infanticide. Uh, but it's an abortion. So lots of lots of facets with this, lots of nuance. Uh, but right now we're facing just a backlash, I think, of toward pro-life positions, toward pro-life people, uh, toward the majority in the Supreme Court that uh, voted for this or voted to overturn it. And the question then becomes, how do believers engage and interact with people who who disagree with us on this? I think we can bring it all back down to the greatest commandments. You know, we need to love God first with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love each other and love our neighbors ourselves. And that can only happen well if we're loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And and I think one of the ways that we can display that love is through the fruit of the Spirit. You know, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
I don't know that I, I hope I didn't duplicate it. 9.5 out of 10, Nine, Brian. Okay, I think nine, you did good. Thank you. Okay. Depending on the translation. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just preached about this yesterday. I, I um, for those of you who don't know, I'm, uh, I used to be a pastor and uh, I still occasionally preach at churches. And, uh, this past weekend I was preaching at a church up in Northeast South Dakota. And this question was just on my mind. And I preached about the fruit of the spirit. And uh, if I can go back just a little bit to what I talked about, um, one of the things I mentioned is that the fruit of the Spirit has those nine things, and that's not nine fruits of the Spirit. That's one fruit with nine characteristics. And the point of that is that all of that is supposed to be evident in all of our lives. So we are always supposed to be kind, always supposed to be loving, always supposed to be gentle, all of those things. The gifts of the Spirit, um, to differentiate that, God gives us those tools, those gifts to help with the church and to build his kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is character stuff. And we need to be displaying that fruit no matter who we're talking to, no matter what the issue is. And right now, there are people who need to see love and gentleness and peace and patience, kindness, not gloating. And they don't need... Christians rubbing it in the rubbing people's noses in this decision, they need to see Christians saying, "Okay, we've won a very important court case. Now we need to step in and we need to show tangible love to single women, to pregnant women with unwanted pregnancies. How do we show love to them in tangible ways that say we love you and we want to do all we can to help you bring that baby to term and to love you whether you keep the baby or not, and if you keep the baby." What can we do to help you? Because um, we support you. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, when I first became a pastor, somebody, one of the ladies came up to me and asked if we could have a baby shower for a, a single mother in the church. I'm like, well, yeah. You know, of course we want to do that because we want to celebrate the life that this lady was bringing in, for one thing, because it doesn't matter how that life came to be, that is a unique piece of DNA that we believe ultimately was created by God. And we want to celebrate that and help mom here get a solid footing. And we did. And it was a great thing. That kid's 20-some years old today. And we've done that for other people too. But the church needs to show tangible love to these moms. We need to hold men accountable. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's the cry I've been seeing a lot oh, yeah. lately. You've seen it, too. Yeah. Uh, some of the rhetoric about that, though, has <laughs> it's been kind of fiery. But I'm all for holding men accountable. I think doggone right. You know, I mean, it takes two to tango, you know, um, unless you're Jane the Virgin, you know, which uh, my wife's been watching. So that know. is a pretty funny show. Yeah, That is a funny. It's way better than I anticipated it would be. But and a uh, rather pro-life show in a way. I think it was. Yeah. 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 You know. And, uh, you know, for a strong Catholic family, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, um, now I grew up Catholic and boy, you're pro-life if you're a Catholic. That's pretty much right. I mean, well, unless you're, you know, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> or, or President Biden. Um, but <laughs> um, you should have seen that if you could only see the knowing glance we gave each other. Right. Is that been point? But anyway, um, we didn't rehearse that. At no, all. we did not. And um, but I remember growing up as a little kid. And the first pro-life pamphlet I ever saw was this pamphlet just filled with pictures of disembodied babies or even dismembered babies. It's yeah. gross and grotesque. And, and every now and again, I'll see in Aberdeen, somebody drives a vehicle with, with a couple of those pictures on there. 
uh, on their vehicle. And I'm like, you're not helping the, the, the cause here. You're really not. You're just making people angry. But anyway, the, um, boy, I don't know where I was going with that now. Oh boy. Um, that's what happens when I get on rabbit trails. I've got an observation okay, actually. Yeah, go if, for uh, it. You don't mind. Rescue me here, Josh, please. <laughs> um, I think it's been interesting to see Christians and pro-life people grow and mature in their ability to communicate effectively and compassionately. I think it actually, at, at least I remember a lot more of that kind of thing, like disgusting pictures of mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. dismembered fetuses on mm-hmm. a billboard or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. When I was younger and I, I don't see that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just, from a marketing standpoint, that's just not effective communication, no matter no. what you're trying to communicate. No. Um, and it doesn't win any friends. It doesn't open any doors for dialogue or anything like that. So I actually think part of the uh, success of this particular social movement has been the ability to show compassion. Mm-hmm. And it's partly because a lot of the leaders of the pro-life movement used to perform abortions or be involved in abortions in some way. And so they're not speaking from some, you know, ivory tower or from mm-hmm. some uh, holier than thou, you know, right. moral position looking down. They're speaking from experience. They're speaking from, you know, having been on the other side in a lot of cases and coming to some pretty difficult realizations themselves. And, and then, um, deciding to fight for life and fight to overturn Roe versus Wade. And so that's one thing that I think is great. Um, and I, I do hope that continues. The other thing that I was just thinking of as we were talking about growing up Catholic and being pro-life, I can't think of another issue that's brought um, non-Catholics and Catholic Christians together mm-hmm. more than this issue. Right. And that, you know, historically, they have not gotten along very well. No, no. <laughs> and, uh, and thanks might, Martin Luther. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for some good reasons and maybe some not so good reasons. Yeah. But I, I will say that there is a lot more mutual respect, I think, mm-hmm. and even appreciation between Catholics and Protestants now than there has been in the past. And I would say it's at least partly due to this particular social issue and right. maybe other social issues too, but this mm-hmm. was definitely the big one. Yep. So it's just interesting. I'm, I'm just sort of thinking through how it's affected, how deeply that this particular issue has affected our culture. Yes. Particularly in the United mm-hmm. States. Yep. And a lot of bad ways, but not necessarily all negative. Right. You know, I was thinking, uh, you were mentioning how, how the movement has changed over the years, uh, pro-life movement and how it's communicated. Uh, they, you mentioned that you and I both know, remember when people were bombing abortion clinics and even going in and shooting people in, in abortion clinics, horrible, horrible stuff that, as you rightly mentioned, was universally condemned within the pro-life movement. These were radical wackadoos who felt they needed to do these things and, uh, they were caught. And all these things. So, uh, thank God for that. But, uh, there was also, I remember, uh, Operation Rescue. I don't know if, you, Josh, if you remember that, uh, it was basically a movement, uh, where people would 
chain themselves to abortion clinics or, or and, and hold protests and be arrested. They would trespass and they would be arrested and thrown in jail. And it was a badge of honor for these people to be, to say, I was arrested six times or eight times, 12 times protesting at abortion clinics. And um, there was a mixed bag of reaction to that. Some felt that this was, you know, this was a great move. This is, you know, you're, you're showing who you are. You'd get arrested. And uh, I'm not sure how they were trying to communicate to the women who were coming there for abortions, uh, except to say you don't have to go in there, you know, we're praying for you. And I remember the pastor that uh, of the church we went to in Colorado at that time, uh, in Colorado Springs, which was, uh, of course, home to focus on the family and, and uh, James Dobson back then. And uh, James Dobson was a big fan of Operation Rescue, and I believe he had had some of their leadership on more than once on his program. I'm not entirely sure that, but I'm pretty sure I heard some interviews with those people. But my, my pastor says, you know, that was wrong. Those those kind of operations are wrong. Why? Because they broke the law. And he said there's a difference between what the law allows and what the law commands. And he says this becomes a scriptural principle because if, if a government commands us to break God's will, we have to disobey. It says, but it's another thing to disobey about something the law allows. And he says, no, the law allows abortion. It doesn't mandate abortion. This isn't China uh, or other places. And so there was a kind of a two-pronged approach to people like uh, groups like Operation Rescue um, who would you know, have these protests and be walked away. Now it just seems to be more, you know, um, at least recently, you know, praying with people, counseling women uh, who are coming to these things, um, trying to see if they can, you know, at least get them talked to before they went in. I just saw a newspaper nut article over the weekend where one of the protesters carried the sign with the dismembered, you know, babies on it and stuff, which I, you're not helping here, buddy. We're trying to help these women not scare them or not, not berate them and guilt them. We want them to see that they're loved and that we love them so much. We want them to, to reconsider taking their baby's life. And I think you're right, Josh, that over the years, over the decades, that the response to the whole pro-choice feel or the abortion issue, the abortion industry, whatever we want to call it, has matured. There's still a few wackadoos, you know, but I think you're right. I think that the response has been more mature overall in mm -hmm. uh but i just want to make sure that that we continue in that direction and don't become a bunch of uh you know people who rub it in their nose rub their noses in it or gloat and things like that i just that's not christ-like no it's not and i think just since we're talking about crazy people it's important to remember that there are wackadoos on every side of every single issue absolutely i mean yeah you've got people who are you know blocking traffic, chaining themselves to things, mm -hmm. defacing property, threatening violence. And, uh, you know, on the losing side of this particular issue now, um, you've got that in the environmental movement. You've got it in pretty much every side of every issue you can think of. There's somebody who's done something really, really nuts. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think we should make sure we don't do is characterize the other side of the issue that you know we feel passionately about by the most extreme elements oh yeah and absolutely i right. do see some of that on the sort of christian conservative media side right now mm -hmm. uh, you know posting some 
thing that somebody found on uh, TikTok or or Twitter or something like that, and almost using that to paint the entire pro-choice movement with you know a headline that says they hate you and want you to die or right, something like that. Right. That's just not true. It's not responsible. It's not you know respectful to you know pro-choice people as as people it's not right. fair to them mm-hmm. um i've actually been i would say pleasantly surprised that there wasn't a the kind of you know night of rage or any right. sort of right. wave of violence mm-hmm. and part of that was that my expectations were set to expect that mm-hmm. and part of those expectations were set by conservative christian media right right yes so, yes good point. so there is there is a certain amount of uh, fear mongering that mm-hmm. even christians tend to fall into and certainly certainly conservatives and it's also important to remember that this is an election year <laughs> and you've got two oh, yeah. Yeah, major parties that really want to whip people up to go mm-hmm. out and vote and um get you know emotionally engaged in what's going on in our culture right right so um and people who want clicks and people who make money doing that right people whose job is to you know drive engagement and viewership and that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. that's gonna happen we can't completely prevent it but just as christians i think we need to be wise Mm -hmm. to notice when that's happening to do our best to not engage with it right um or to engage constructively with it and mm-hmm. certainly do our best to live beyond our memes and right. not just share some crazy headline about some crazy person that they saw online about how all of the pro-choice people want Christians dead now or something right, like that. Right. Like that's just not, it's not, not no, good. It's not, it's not good. It's not true. And, you know, painting the other side of an issue like that, the, the people, when they do that, they don't understand. It'd be like, it'd be like the pro-choice people saying that all pro-lifers want women to have hangers use, uh, you know, go back to the back alleys and use hangers to have, have an abortion coat hangers. And when I was pastor, we had a, we did a pro-life event and uh, Lutherans for life came over and planted like 700 plus crosses in our churchyard to represent the number of abortions in that given year. Well, one day somebody came and, and planted four crosses made of coat hangers by the crosses and left a couple of notes that were not very nice. And, uh, but the insinuation there was that to, to be pro-life meant that you wanted to have women die from back, back alley abortions. And that's not true either. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's so, not historically accurate, really. No, it is not. And, but we got to be careful that we're not doing the same thing, you know, and exactly. uh, Christians and Christians have always been good at fear mongering. I hate to say that, but it's always true. I mean, Salem witch trials. Yeah. You know, we're, we have a history, unfortunately, of picking some things and and just making people well, whipping them into a fury, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, we've become more mature in all of that. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, that's that's the hope, anyway. So, Josh, let me ask you: um, as I've been trying to think of responses to people, and I was reading through my Facebook feed and stuff, um, how do we respond to people who say things like, you know? Basically, if you have a penis, you have no no uh, business talking about my vagina. <laughs> you know, how would you respond to that, or how do you think a Christian should respond to somebody who throws that at us? As you and I are both guys, 
Sure. You know, but. Um, well, I see it as a human issue. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think it's legitimate to say that it is a, it, as a human being, this affects every single one of us. And, um, I, I don't like the idea of shutting somebody down just because they have an opinion about something that they're not supposed mm-hmm. to have an opinion about. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's healthy. It's just sort of an ad hominem attack. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even like the, you know, basketball players should shut up and just play basketball. Basketball players are human beings. They have thoughts and feelings and ideas mm-hmm. just like everybody else. Some of them probably are more educated than you because they went to college. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that's an appropriate response. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of think about that too. And, um, and I want to go back and I want to point out something else here. I'm writing notes. If you hear a little scritchy scratchy on the, on the thing here, that's me writing notes. The fact is you mentioned it's a human right. And that's absolutely true. I think, you know, when that, when that, I've always believed that life begins in conception and that when, when the moment that happens, that's a brand new unique DNA with everything that that little person's going to need to grow to be a fully functioning human like you and me and, uh, or like those who would like to take the life away. But one of the things that I, that I respond to that is like, well, but so many of the women at the forefront of the pro-life, well, so many people at the front, forefront of the pro-life movement are women. Yeah. So more, the greater percentage of pro-lifers are women than, absolutely. That, than men, for sure. So can't men echo that sentiment? Why are they not allowed to hold the same viewpoint as these women? Why wouldn't you want to support your your wife or your right. sister, or your daughter, or in my case, your your mom, and right. in that? belief right if not yeah even if you don't like it doesn't affect you as much personally mm-hmm. it, it affects people that you love yeah and then i also think well is it okay for a guy on the pro-choice side to have an opinion then? you know because i mean if if chuck schumer and those guys say or and president biden say hey you know we need to we need to have abortions i don't hear I, well at first i don't hear pro-lifers saying it you know, you stay out of this because you're not a woman. But I would never hear a pro-choicer say, "Biden, you, President Biden, you need to be quiet." You wasn't know? the wasn't Roe versus Wade originally decided by a bunch of old white men? I think it was. Yes, because there were no women. Should they not Supreme. have an opinion on abortion? Well, there you go. I mean, that's a good point. And another thing that that, and I'm I'm just kind of walking through these things. You know, they one of the chants right now, so to speak, is that you know legislators have no business in our wombs or whatever. You know, I'm like, well, legislatures or legislators and presidents, these politicians are the ones who appoint the justices, you know, and so in any way, you're going to get these politicians. And also now it's going to be the state legislators that you're going to be petitioning to either maintain or expand the abortion laws in your state or abortion availability. And as you mentioned, it's going to be in those bigger states where there are already more liberalized abortion laws. And those people will have the chance to let the legislators be involved in their wombs, so to speak, by allowing more access to abortion. So I'm, I'm trying to work through just the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the contradictory mindsets there. But understanding that these people that disagree with me and have these contradictory mindsets are still people that Jesus loves and died for. Sure. And they're made in the image of God. And 
I think getting back to a kind of how we handle or how we respond to people is we got to keep in mind that no matter what they believe politically, no matter what they believe regarding abortion, no matter how many abortions they've had, that person is worthy of dignity if for no other reason than the fact that they carry the image of God in them and Jesus died for them. I would like to see that attitude extended toward pro-choice people yeah. by pro-life people. Absolutely. I would like to see more, and maybe it's happening, maybe it's not. I don't mm-hmm. know. It certainly doesn't make the news mm-hmm. when right. you know somebody crosses a picket line and gives the, the opposite side a hug or a glass of water or something like that. That does happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody catches it on, on video and it's, it's heartwarming and nice and all that. But I would like to see a lot more of that. I would like to see Christians be Christians toward pro-choice people right. and demonstrate love towards them. Because mm-hmm. all they're hearing is how much Christians hate them and, right. you know, hate women. And mm-hmm. like, that's, that's all they're hearing. I mean, right. just, I, I, I would like for Christians to be understanding of how much propaganda and how much very poorly informed memes are flying on the other side and, mm-hmm. and understand right. how that feels mm-hmm. uh, to somebody who is you know, on the pro-choice side and is right. very upset and all of that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just more compassion in general, more more fruit of the spirit. Right. It takes some effort because one of the things we have to do is we need to understand better why people believe that abortion, that elective abortion is okay. And, you know, if sometimes it's sometimes it's pretty selfish reasons, you know, uh, two or three actresses recently, you know, well, you know, if I hadn't had my abortion, I couldn't, uh, wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. And I wouldn't be able to be a successful actor, actress. Others are like, you know what? My man told me that if I didn't get, if I didn't have an abortion, he'd kill me. Yeah. Or, you know, um, we're already on food stamps and he refuses to wear a condom and I can't feed six kids, you know, um, yeah, those are I'm those are real death. situations. They are real situations. I don't, you yeah. know, the the solution is not abortion in our mm-hmm. view, but the problems are extremely real, extremely difficult. Yes, and really, really do need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I I think that most people that I know that are pro life understand that and are are compassionate towards that. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be some sort of tangible demonstration that that actually matters right in a way that that communicates that to people maybe mm-hmm. there you know there are some people who no matter what you do it'll never be enough to can you know right. they've got their mind made up about you and what you believe and who you are and nothing that you do is going to change that mm-hmm. but uh acts of love acts of service you know watching people's feet touching the lepers doing yes. really really unexpected things to people who never expected you to do such a thing absolutely has yep. a, a surprising power yes it does and that's what jesus demonstrated throughout his life and i think that's what we have to make sure that we're following you know his example mm-hmm. and demonstrating in, in our lives too right in this in this instance in particular but in lots of other ones as well. I agree. And I think, you know, um, we've only scratched the surface of this whole topic. Obviously, this is going to be something that is going to be, well, hammered and hawed for the next number of decades. You know, it's going to, it's not going away. It's not going to be a quick discussion. But I want to end just with uh, something, with a scripture passage that you brought to mind as you were talking there. It's First John 3.18. It says, Let us not love with words or tongue, 
but with actions and in truth. And if we can do that, folks, people will see the love of Christ in us and they'll want it for themselves. That's the hope. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Josh. That's a great place to leave it. So uh, what? Uh, we're still getting this, uh, this podcast off the ground. What should people do if they want to engage with us and if they want to send us ideas for future topics, that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, well, you can uh, head over to discipleshipdna.com. Um, you can um, leave comments on our uh, soon-to-becoming Facebook page, uh, Living Beyond Your Memes. You can reach us there, message us, or how, uh, we're still getting that set up. Uh, as Josh mentioned, we're still getting this thing off the ground. And, of course, um, you know, I'd say just the best thing to do is head over to discipleshipdna.com and try to contact us through there. Awesome. Yep. And we'll put a lot of these links in the show notes as well. In the Absolutely. meantime, uh, if you like the show, please leave a comment or review. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, um, and definitely give us some feedback too. Yeah. Uh, let yeah. us know what what you're interested in uh, hearing a conversation about. Right. Yep. Excellent. Great. Thanks, Brian. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you on the next episode.